I did make a decision for Christ. I accepted him as my savior. I'm saved, but I'm just not his disciple. I haven't made him my Lord yet. I'm just not that type of Christian. Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkesbury and Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or to pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, then stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK 1550 a.m. and 94.7 f.m. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube at 9 a.m. every Sunday where these are uploaded, and you'll find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com, our central hub, and on Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube at God's Resistance, spelled G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure if you visit those sites to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content, and you will find us in person every Sunday at noon in the Wilkes-Barre Public Square, uh, at least until it gets so cold it runs us out. But we, we, we would love to see you there. You can also contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. We're in a world right now where it's kind of a seeker-friendly atmosphere so far as the church is concerned. We can go to a church and we can say, you know what? I don't really like their worship style. I don't really like the way things are set up there. I like a more traditional form or I like a looser, more contemporary form. Or th- th- and there's probably all sorts of different variations in the in-between. Instead of the church being what the Bible says the church is, we have made so many different variations of it to try and win our culture. I think that a lot of the times that is not necessarily coming from an evil heart. Um, It's just that people are wanting, they're wanting to make a difference. They're wanting people to come in the church. The problem is, is that once we go down that road, we start to depart um, from the scripture and we start to lose the emphasis of the scripture, which is salvation through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ and and a changed, a radical changed life after that, we start to lose all of that in the trappings, in the machinery, and in the pragmatism of what we're doing. So what do we do about all that? Well, in the the midst of all this, we have some people that feel like they've got their ticket punched. You know, they've, they've, they went somewhere, they, they filled out a decision card, or maybe they made a decision for Christ. They accepted Christ. And yet, they don't seem to really have a, 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 a radical change in their lives. It doesn't seem to be that things are, um, well, they're just not that much different. And so we kind of run into trouble because then when you open the Bible and you start reading the Bible, you think the life that is spelled out in this book, in the Bible, and that which is seemingly normal in the churches that I'm going to, they're not the same thing. So what do we do with that? I would submit to you that the person who really is saved has a servant's heart. The person who is really saved wants to do all they can for Jesus Christ because there has been a radical change in them. 
And the person that does not have this heart, this servant's heart, this willing slave to to this master, to this Lord Jesus Christ, I it, it's it's pretty hard to say that you've ever even met him, that you've been saved at all. Uh, and God knows each one's heart. But I'm taking this from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, where this will be pulled out. And I'm just going to start reading. And one of the Pharisees desired him, that's Jesus, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet, and that means to eat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet, that's Jesus' feet, behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgives sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith saved thee, hath saved thee. Go in peace. So a little bit of background that kind of helps us understand something here. Hospitality was a huge thing in the Hebrew culture, so they would often have people visiting in their homes, and they would be making meals and that kind of a thing. And it seems to be they had more of an open-door policy. We know some missionaries that are off in uh, Brazil, and they said in Brazil, what happens is if you see someone's front door open, that means they're ready for visitors. So it is a cultural thing that after they get ready in the morning and do whatever they do, they open the front door, and then people can come and go as they please in that culture. So there was an open door policy there. And it seems to be in the Hebrew culture, much of the same thing, somewhat of an open door policy. So here we find this Pharisee, Simon, inviting Jesus to his house. And then some woman from the city, which was a sinner, as the Bible says, she goes there to the, to the dinner at the same time. And she brings an alabaster box of ointment. Now, commentators looking into all of this have said that this box of ointment or perfume uh, was about the, the cost or the value of one year's wages for a common person. So this was a very costly box of perfume or ointment that she's dumping on Jesus' feet, one whole year's worth of salary. She stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now that sounds perhaps a little bit strange to us because 
to us, that would mean somebody crawled under the table and was crying under the table where our feet are because we sit with chairs at the table. In Jesus' time, if they had a table, and that would have been higher classes would have had a table, uh, the lower classes would have had maybe a little spot in the center where they would put their food and all. But if they had a table, it wasn't very tall, maybe 18 inches off the ground. And what they did was they would lean on their left side and their feet would go away from the table and they would lean on, a, on their left shoulder and the right hand they would use to come and, and pick stuff up off the table and eat. So when it says that she was there behind him weeping, now you can picture a table in the middle with a bunch of people laying on their left side and their feet closest to the people who would walk in the room and the table in the middle near everyone's heads. So there she is at Jesus' feet as his feet are reclined outward from the table. And she is weeping at his feet. And as she's crying, her tears are spilling on his feet. Now, a huge thing in Hebrew culture too was to wash the feet of travelers because their feet would be so dirty from desert and storm and, and all, or sand and whatever. They had sandals on, so their feet were, were dirty. And it, it was common that you would wash your feet. And there was, if you had a lot of money, servants would wash the feet. It was a very lowly job, but they would wash the feet in order to do this. So here, symbolically, we're seeing a washing of the feet, but it's with this lady's tears that it's happening. Her tears are pouring down on Jesus' feet. And then she takes her own hair, which is quite humbling, and she's wiping his dirty feet with her hair. And, and her tears have, have washed the, those feet. Now she's wiping it with the hair. And then she kisses his feet, which also is a very lowly uh, thing. And she then puts this alabaster box, one year's worth of, of savings, of value to live for one year. She's putting on this man's feet. Now, we see this lady's reaction to Jesus. And it appears to be that she's just dumping her heart out in some kind of a full gratitude devotion. We know as we've read on what's going on here, but she's she's dumping out her heart. There's such an expression she's trying to give to Jesus. Meanwhile, the Pharisee Simon over here on the side, he sees what's going on and he's thinking inside himself, if Jesus knew what kind of a lady this, this lady was, she's a sinner and he wouldn't be touching her. Now, it is speculated that this lady was very possibly a prostitute. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But whatever she has done, she has had an ill reputation, so much so that the Pharisees know who she is. That's why people, I guess, would have speculated a prostitute. That would have been a pretty high sin. So here, this sinful lady's coming in, and he's thinking, if Jesus really was a prophet, he would have known what kind of a dirty lady this lady is and what kind of a woman she is and he wouldn't be touching her because the Pharisees ideal of things too, was that they were clean and holy. And so they wouldn't touch certain things. Now I'm not saying you and I as Christians, we, we should go around doing foolish things and be around wickedness and evil because wickedness and evil can often overcome us. We've got to be smart. We've got to be wise about what we do. We don't put ourselves in the lion's den on purpose. However, to have the idea that in order for me to be holy, I somehow have to be so separated from the world that I almost completely disassociate with it is completely against the spirit of Christ. I'm separated from the world in some of my actions. I don't go to certain places. I don't do certain things. I'm separated in the way that I act, the way that I dress, the way that I look, the way that I behave. 
I'm separate in that fashion. I'm unlike the world then, but I'm living right in the world. And if you and I are going to reach people that are lost, if you're a Christian, you're going to have to be around them. The thing is, the grace of Jesus Christ can do something in our hearts so much so that when we are in situations like that, we're not going to compromise. We're not going to fall back and slide. There is power within me to live holy for Jesus Christ, even while I'm ministering to people that are in terrible situations. So God can help us in those ways. And this is Jesus. He, he's ministering to a lady who, by all appearances, broken, ruined. And there she is at Jesus' feet. And the guy Simon's thinking, you know, in his pharisaical mind, he's thinking, man, you know, she's a dirty lady. He shouldn't be touching her. She's so wicked and unclean. And I wonder, too, we, we read in other places in the scripture where people are kind of like, well, I'm not so unclean. This could be the kind of thing that's going on in Simon's heart. And you know, Jesus, being who he was, God in the flesh, he knew what was going on inside of Simon's heart. He knew what he was thinking. And he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon you know, probably in his thought processes, stops for a second and looks over at Jesus and goes, go ahead, tell me, say it on. And as Jesus so often does, he starts with a story, something to illustrate a point. Because Jesus could just say, Simon, your heart's wrong. You're thinking that this lady uh, is a, a wicked sinner and that she shouldn't, um, I shouldn't be touching her or whatever and that you're better than her. And he says, Simon, you're missing it. He could have said it like that. But when he says it in the fashion of a story, which also is Hebrew culture, and I think we have done much damage in our society to not be more like this. But in Hebrew culture, they would have done that. And, and when you think about it, when you hear a story, you're drawn in. You can, you can identify with certain characters in there. And that's precisely the function of this as Jesus is trying to teach a certain lesson. And so he pulls out this lesson of these two people, a creditor. So somebody who, <clears throat> like a bank, in this day, it would have been somebody who had a lot of money who was crediting out and he would have charged interest on top to make his money off of that. He had two debtors. Two people owed him money. It says in the King James, the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. Let's just call it dollars at this point. And let's make it even bigger. Let's say uh, one owed 500,000 and the other owed $50,000. And we're just doing that to get kind of our American mind to wrap around this concept that Jesus uh, had to was trying to teach here to Simon and the others that were around. Problem is, I mean, think about it. If you're in debt for $500,000 or $50,000, that's a lot of money. And when they had nothing to pay, and probably they, with crying and tears, are just, I, I can't do this. You know, I've got to pay for it. I've, I've got to take care of my wife. I've got to take care of my family. I, I can't even live. You know, I, I don't have the money to even pay this back. It's such an exorbitant amount of money. I can't pay it back. When they didn't have anything to pay, it says that he frankly forgave them both. The debtor frankly forgave them both. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com 
or call us at 570-362-7782. Imagine what that would be like on the receiving line. That you owed 50000 you owed 500000 You were scrambling to try and pay all this off. Maybe you got a second or a third job trying to pay your debts off. Unfortunately, in American society right now, people don't really care to have to pay their debts off. You know, they'd, they'd rather just go bankrupt. You know, there's no conscience to pay the debt off at large. And so we live in a credit card society. We live in a society where we're buying things that we don't even have the money for, and we end up becoming slaves for the rest of our life. That's not the way the Bible would teach us to live. We shouldn't be living like that, but nevertheless, that's what it is. But say you're a listener here and you have a conscience against uh, living a life like that. And you want to pay everything off, but it just seems like you can't ever get ahead. I can't, I can't do it. I can't get ahead at all. And then the person has compassion on you because they see you're trying. They see that it's just almost impossible. And so just say, you know what? You don't have to pay any of it back. I just forgive you entirely of your loan. Don't even worry about it. Wow. I know that would be a relief to, my, to me. My wife and I, before we were Christians, we went to colleges and uh, when we got married, I'm trying to think now, when we got married, I think I owed, I owed personally 14000 plus interest. Um, and we got married after we got saved, after we became Christians. Uh, and then my wife owed something of the ballpark of twenty five or 30000 Um, And so together, we had a large sum of money. And so we felt that keenly that we were the slave to everyone else. But there have been a couple times where when we, we were praying about things and asking the Lord, Lord, and we know we got ourselves into this mess, but, you know, could you help us? You know, is there some way you can help us? And on two separate occasions, that help came. One, uh, I had, um, somebody gave me $10,000 and said, I, I, I want to pay off your student loans so that you're not, that's not something that's weighing you down anymore. They had uh, a, a large chunk of money and wanted to do that for me. And I thanked them and, and went ahead and did it. But then I found out $4,000 of interest had accrued on it. So I had the $14,000, like I said in the beginning. After that had taken place, uh, I went to the the bank, you know, gave them money and all. And then that person at a later time asked me, you know, uh, must feel re- really good to not have to worry about that loan anymore. I said, actually, when I went to pay it off, it had 4,000 extra. I said, thank you for the 10,000. That's a huge chunk off, but I still have the, you know, whatever interest was on top before I can close the loan out. And they said, oh, oh, I, I want to help you right now. I want to help you and just pay off the rest of the 4,000. And so that had, they had come with me to a bank and did whatever needed to be done, paid the rest of it off. What a load off of me that was. At another time, um, I can't remember how much money had been given uh, I want to say it was another 10 grand. Uh, own, I owed this to somebody else. Um, when I was in college, they paid for me to get something, just a personal loan paid for me to so that I had somewhere to live. And uh, so I ended up paying this person back. Um, and uh, another circumstance, praying and asking the Lord for help, and somebody gave me another 10 grand. Now, that that's miraculous in and of itself. However, the the point I'm trying to illustrate is I was paying all, when these large chunks came off, man, it felt like a weight coming off. But then we still had this dollars $30,000 of debt that my wife had. And the Lord blessed us with paying off big chunks, you know, through miraculous means. But then we also had twenty five dollars or $30,000 where we had to 
make a budget, pinch pennies, you know, any extra money we had dumped on loans to try and get out of debt. And we got out of debt, uh, I want to say it was last year, um, last January, I believe. We paid off the last of it and had no more debt left. And we have purpose to not live in that way anymore after we get out of this. So we have no more debt left. What a weight that was that had come off of me. But can you imagine if somebody just came and frankly paid the whole thing off? Now, Jesus asks this question after he tells Simon the story of these two guys and the, and the creditor. Tell me, therefore, which of these ones that were in debt will love the creditor most? And Simon said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into the house. So now he's given this picture about this lady. So the, the picture was, say she was a prostitute. She lived a wicked and nasty life. There was something in Jesus Christ that she saw. She was forgiven of all the wickedness and the sin that she had done. And she takes one year's worth of, of wages in the form of this special perfume or ointment. She's weeping at his feet crying there as tears are coming down, wiping his feet with her hair and then dumping this costly perfume over the top of his feet. Why? It's just this, this illustration, this little story that Jesus told because her sins piled up to heaven as far as she was concerned. And she was so grateful that this one had forgiven her of all of her sins. The weight of guilt was gone and she wanted to love she wanted to pour out devotion. Here we find that Simon didn't seem to have that same kind of a devotion and Jesus is, is rebuking him, reproving him right at this moment. Another story illustrates this very well. Abraham Lincoln, he was uh, at an auction block when the slave trade was going on, obviously. And there was a young black maid who is up on the auction block and she was up for auction. So, People were going back and forth and Abraham Lincoln noticed that behind him somewhere was this vile man. He was a rich man, but a very vile man, a nasty man. And he was bidding on this lady. And he was thinking inside of himself, if this man gets this lady to be his maid, she's going to have a miserable life and he's going to poorly treat her and all this. And he couldn't bear to think of that happening. So Abraham Lincoln started bidding also for this lady. And they were going back and forth, he and this vile rich man, back and forth until this vile rich man said, she's not worth that anymore and backs out of the whole thing. And Abraham Lincoln ends up winning the bid on this uh, young black maid. She then comes down off the auction black block and comes to him and says, okay, master, I'm yours. Now what do I do? And he says, you're free, go free. And she looks at him, bewildered. What? I mean, at that point too, that was unheard of. But Abraham Lincoln said, you're free, go. And she said, if that's the kind of man you are, I don't want to go anywhere else but with you. I will willingly be your slave at this point. I will follow you and I will love you and I will serve you. That is the kind of heart that should be, if you are a Christian, if you have been born again, if you have repented of your sins and you know the sins that weighed you down and you know the forgiveness of Christ that they're behind you, and they're not a part of your life anymore. And you know that eternal hell has been wiped out from your future and he's given you victory and you're walking in truth and righteousness and holiness now. Then you know what this lady feels like. You think that I couldn't have done this myself. 
I just want to serve him. I want to serve him with all of my heart. Lord, what can I do for you? That's what happens when somebody say, what do you want me to do, Lord? I'll do anything. I'll go tell my neighbors. I, I, want, to, I want to just bless people. I want to help them. I want them to know the very same things that I know. That's what happens when you get saved for real. I say for real because a lot of people say they're saved right now. And, and according to the Bible, it doesn't appear that they really are. They just said some words. They made a decision, but they didn't really receive that salvation at this point. And so here we find a lady who she has been forgiven much, so she's loving much. And I'm saying to us in these days, so many people think that, well, I've given my life to Jesus. I've made this decision. And they divorce being a disciple of Christ, being a servant of Christ. They divorce that from their quote unquote decision. There is nothing inside of the Bible that makes a clear distinction as if somehow I can be a Christian and not be Jesus' disciple. Somehow I can be a Christian and Jesus isn't my Lord. That's totally against the entire spirit of the gospel, the entire spirit of the Bible. And some people in our present day do try to make a case that Jesus can be your savior, but not your Lord yet. That's garbage. It's not true. You read through the gospels yourself and you find out any honest seeking person you won't need somebody who's gone through and got a doctorate in some seminary to try and tell you what the scriptures really mean. God's made this Bible so simple and so clear that you can open it yourself and you can read it. And you will find out that those whom Jesus has saved are also his disciples. They have made Jesus both Lord and master of their lives. They have willingly become his slave. And it's not that he's a tyrant over top of us, but we have willingly said, I will subject my life to you. You can tell me how to live now. You can tell me where to live. You can tell me where to go and what to do. I want to do all those things because of what you've done for me. And dear listener, if that's not your heart and yet you still are maintaining a Christian profession, I believe that you are in danger. I'm not saying that it's not possible that you're saved but I don't think you can stay in that condition very long before there's danger on your soul. But the great majority of people who are in this condition, I believe have never ever repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus Christ. Because if you have, you'll have this lady's heart. You'll want to serve him. You'll be so grateful. You'll love much because you've been forgiven much. There will be something in your heart that you just want to serve him unreservedly. I just want to walk with Jesus. You won't be looking at what is the lowest life I can live and still escape hell. And that quite frankly is modern day Christianity at large. What's the lowest amount of Christian living I can have and still escape the damnation of hell? Dear listener, if that is your motive, you need to repent at this moment and you need to ask the Lord to forgive you for even the thoughts of your heart, for the desires of your heart and say, Lord, forgive me. I see that you have died on the cross for my sins. Not forget everybody else, but for me personally, you've died for my sins. I see that that was for me because of the crimes I've done against you. I'm not as good as I, as I say I am or as I thought I am, but you are good. You are merciful and you washed my sins away. I repent of all my sins. <clears throat> I don't want to live this selfish life anymore. I want to live a life for God. He said this lady, when she came in, she was kissing his feet. And, and above that, he says, Simon, you didn't even give me a kiss. Now that was a special greeting in the Hebrew culture where they would lean over kind of like the Italians and they give a peck on the cheek. And that was like a hello. You didn't do that for me, Simon. This lady has been kissing my feet though, my dirty feet. 
He said, you didn't anoint my head with oil, but he said, this, this woman's putting this costly ointment all over my feet. And anointing with oil was also a thing in their culture. He said, I, I'm telling you, Simon, her sins, which are many, they're forgiven. Why? The proof of it is how much she loves right here. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he turns to the lady and says, your sins are forgiven. And the other people are saying, how can he forgive sins like this? But he says to the lady, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Dear listener, I wish that would be you. I wish you would be the one who has known the enormity of their sins, been saved, and now loves much. Dear listener, will you continue to make a Christian profession and yet not really be serving Jesus? Why don't you stop doing that today, now, and and cry out to God and ask him to save you, to really make you a willing slave to him in love with Jesus Christ, full of love and service to him. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. Introduce yourself to me. I would love to set up a time to meet. Uh, We could talk about spiritual things and I can help you along in your journey. Go to our social media accounts, Facebook, Gab, YouTube. Like and follow us there on those social media things. You can find teaching and preaching for your journey there. You can connect with others. Uh, tune into this broadcast every Sunday at 9 a.m. Tell your friends about our broadcast and our social media. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. A special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons License. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.